Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Bible says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And that's what my text is going to be here today. Not that verse, but the last word. The last word. Amen. Amen. It's the final word in the word of God. I know there's some things in our in our Bible that uh, the publishers inserted or those that compiled or put together our Bible uh, that was not in the original writings, such as, for instance, the way the book of Revelation begins is a good example. Because if you turn to chapter 1 and verse 1, you will see at the beginning of your Revelation, it says something like the revelation of John the Apostle. Is that what it says? I don't have mine open to that. Do what? It does. Yeah, no, 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 no. The, the, the title, the heading, the revelation of St. John the Divine. Now, I know I was going to teach one time through the revelation and, and Sister... Mo, uh, yeah, Sister Moses was sitting on the front row, and and she, I forget how hers read, but it was different. Seemed like everybody else said, and I blamed her for getting it from Walmart. <laughs> but anyway, but see, the revelation of Saint John the Divine—that's that's not what God said. But my, and I, I say all that to confuse you, I guess. But my point is, that's what God said. Well, anyway, that verse, he didn't say man to Brother Walls, but. <laughs> but I sure hope he does one of these days. <laughs> Amen. But my point is, there are some headings and, and subheadings in our Bible that were not anointed and were not God breathed and were not placed in there. But this verse is in there. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And I'm going to talk a while about this word, amen. After some 66 books in our Bible and writings concerning the workings of God with mankind through some 7,000 years by then, because the millennium will be over and everything else, the judgments will be passed some 7,000 years of God's dealing with mankind, the Lord closes his book, as it were, closes revelation, closes, this is the compilation of all the activities and generations and, and whatever of mankind. And God, as it were, he's finished now. The last chapter is written, the last verse is written, and the last word is written and God closes his book as it were and says, Amen. Amen. I, I pulled out my 
one of my books here, I thought of this this morning in prayer. There's a story that's told of Charles Finley, or Finney, rather, excuse me, Charles G. Finney. He was a, an old-time preacher long, many years ago, uh, in fact, centuries ago, probably the 19th century. But when he was a young lawyer, he was sitting in a village law office in New York. It was early in the day. He was alone. And when the Lord began to deal with his heart. And there was a conversation, Mr. Finney says, between him and the Lord. And he said it went something like this. Finney, what are you going to do when you finish your course? And Finney says, put out a shingle and practice law. And God says, then what? And Finney says, get rich. And then God says, then what? And Finney says, retire. And then asks, God asks, then what? And the words came out of a trembling voice judgment the judgment and then it says that Finney ran a half mile to the woods spent the rest of the day in prayer he had studied law for four years but then God showed him how worthless his life of selfishness and worldliness was and this turned Finney around to become the tremendous preacher of the gospel that he became so he gave up his law practice and went to preaching, and I know by experience he didn't get rich. But my point is, Finney come to the realization there is an end to this. There is an amen to our journey. I hope it's an amen. Maybe I should rephrase it, but there is an end to our journey. And we look at this, this statement, and we look back through the pages of those 66 books of the Bible. We see there's a stream of blood that flows from the very first book, chapter 3, in fact, in Genesis, and it goes all the way through, a stream of blood to the last, and God says, Amen. The book begins with man enjoying a paradise, and the book's going to end with a man enjoying paradise because this old world of chaos and confusion is not going to last forever. God has a great plan in store for all of us. In between these two happenings is a history that's filled with a lot of experiences that has resulted in man being rebellious against God, against his authority, and yet God says when it's all over, amen. Amen. There is a verse, I didn't take time to look it up, but you know about the verse. A verse that Bible tells us that God created good and he created evil. And that seems, you know, just doesn't make sense to our carnal reasoning. Why would God create evil? Because if there had not been evil created, there would not be a choice given to us. We would not, man in the beginning, in the garden, would not have made the, been able to make the decision whether to eat of that tree or not. And if that decision had not been there, and if man had not made the wrong decision, 
Well, things would have been different altogether. You have a choice. We have a choice. Live for God or not live for God. Obey the word or not obey the word. But one of these days, whatever, whatever happens, God's still going to say, Amen. Amen. Now, this word, Amen, which is as well interesting uh, because that's the way I pronounce it. That's the way a lot of us, maybe you dignified folks don't pronounce it that way, but I say amen. I know the, according to uh, the, the, the Greek, it's all man, all man, all man, all man, all man. Anyway, amen. I thought of another word that's closely akin and, and almost spelled alike, and that's Adam. It's not a spell alike, but it starts with the same letter. Aim, Adam, Adam, that's the way we say it, don't we? But according to Hebrew, according to the, to, to the I guess we'll say the Hebrew pronunciation, it's Adam, Adam. Well, Adam, well, y'all keep Adam, and I'm going to say Adam <laughs> because I recognize Adam, Adam. You know, out of curiosity, you know, I, wanted, I want to pronounce words right if I can. And you know I do, don't you? But uh, I got, the, and I, I can't think of the name of the fellow. I wish I could. I've got his Bible reading. Uh, uh, you've got it probably on your, on your phone. Uh, I've had it for years. But uh, anyway, I think I used to have it on those old cassette tapes. And some of y'all don't know what that is, but I do. But anyway, out of curiosity, I got, I've got it on here. And I called it up this morning in my office, in fact, just to see how he pronounced Adam. Now, he is, he is a, a very eloquent speaking man. He, he, he has recorded the whole Bible from Genesis through Revelation. And, and he, I can't talk like he does, but he has pronounces those hard words, even those long words like elephant. But... But I listen. I turned to uh, Genesis chapter three, and I listened to it as he went down, and he got to that verse that says, "Where God says, Adam, where art thou?" And I was waiting for him to say, "Adam." That intelligent felt that made me feel good. He called him Adam. <laughs> Adam, Amen. Now this word appears 78 times in our Bible in 72 verses because some of the verses, and I'll read one or two of them here, uh, the word amen is found twice. Well, the, both the Hebrew word and the Greek word has been translated amen uh, has other meanings. You know, this same Greek word that's translated amen has other meanings as well as in the Hebrew, just like all other words. But anyway, let's consider some of the places which uh, the word is used. Deuteronomy 27 and verse 26. Uh, the Lord says, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say. First Chronicles 16 and 36. Blessed be the, God, the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said. And praise the Lord. And then one, a couple of those places where, where it's doubled, uh, repeated. Psalm 41 and verse 13. 
Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. And, and then in 72 and 19 of Psalms. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. And amen. And then in that familiar passage that we oftentimes refer to or quote, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And one more, please. Romans 11 and 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. This thing just jumps around on me. And now here in this last concluding verse of our Bible, let me say, I'm saying, and put it in my notes that way, God looks back. Now I know maybe that's a mis, mis way of, uh, not a proper way of saying it or looking at it, but I want to look at it like that. At the last of the Bible, the last verse, 66 books have been written now of events that have taken place among humanity for over 7,000 years. And God looks back, as it were, on the entire scene of activities that have taken place between, between creation and himself. And God says, amen, amen. Now, there's some things which we may wrestle with in order to be able to say amen to them. Uh, how, do you, how do you say so be it. That's what the word amen, we could say, means. That's one of the definitions of the word, so be it, so be it. And how, how can we say this, so be it? How can God say it, so be it, when thousands of people, for instance, are swallowed up, several thousand people are swallowed up in a great deluge during the days and time of Noah. When we consider the condition of the world, when we consider the direction which the world was headed in that day we can then say that God was just and God was holy by destroying this ungodly world with a great deluge and he saved one family Noah and his wife and their three sons and their wives and he destroyed all the antediluvian world in that day and you know what Jesus said in the book of Matthew 24 as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. When I look and you look and you recognize the terrible condition which our world is presently involved in, folks, it's a cesspool out there. It is a cesspool out there. One of the, to me, and, and there are so many things could be uh, mentioned, but one of the things to me that I think must be so despicable in the eyes of God is the terrible uh, record that we have, not only here in America. America has a small record compared to the rest of the world, and I'm speaking about abortion, the killing, not, not just the killing of the unborn, that used to be, but we've got some twisted, confused, terrible minds out there that are saying, even kill them after they are born. That is sickening. And so one of these days, that's just one of the many things 
that our world is confused with. But one of these days, the judgment that came upon the antediluvian world is, is just a, an example, in a sense, of what's going to happen on this world, to this world one of these days. God promised, however, to Noah, it's not going to happen that way the next time. It won't be by a flood the next time. It won't be water the next time. It's going to be the fiery indignation of a righteous God the next time. I know I didn't give you the verse, but the Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, you that are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed in heaven with his holy angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey, obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Judgment's coming, folks. And when our journey is over, I want the Lord to look back on the, tri on the trip that uh, Brother Walls made, and I want him to say to me, Amen. But yet at the same time, God's going to look upon the chaos of this world and, and the destruction of this world. He's going to say amen to that as well. But I don't, I won't, he's going to frown on that activity because God hates sin and those that commit sin are going to be judged accordingly. But I know God, God loves righteousness and righteous living. And I want him to say amen to me because I live right. I love God. About 250 years later, after that great deluge, a group of people gave themselves over to an ungodly lifestyle that got dispatched two angels, two special angels, to, to check out the cries that were coming up from that wicked city that was called Sodom. And God told Abraham he stopped by because the Lord was with those two angels in a theophany. And he stopped by and visited with his friend Abraham. And, and, and God told, uh, it is recorded, why should I hide this from my friend Abraham? So he, I'm going to tell Abraham what we're going to do and why we're here. And so God tells Abraham what's, what's happening. These two angels are going to go on to Sodom to check it out, to see if it's really as wicked as, uh, as it sounds like it is in heaven. And then when Abraham, he knows his nephew is there and his family is there, and he begins to plead with God, God, if you can save, if we can just find 50 righteous, will you save it? You know the story. Oh, yes. What about 45? Yeah. 40? Yeah. 30? Yeah. 20? Yeah. What about 10? What about 10? Just 10 out of that. No tell how many are there, not just the city of Sodom, but other cities in that area. Thousands of people we're talking about. And, and Abraham says, Lord, if you could just find 10 righteous, will you spare the city? And God says, I will, I will. But when it's all over with, there's only, well, I started to say three, but there was four that started to be saved, but it wound up with only three. The sons-in-laws of Lot made fun of him when he told them to help to get out of that place. And they went back to whatever they were doing. And Lot and his wife, and his two, their two daughters were taken by the hands of the angels and led out of the city. And that day, the, that day, that morning, the fire from heaven fell. And the Bible tells us uh, in, in chapter, I guess it's chapter 19, that God looked and he brought a judgment upon the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and those cities in that area. That God, God looked, I know it's not recorded that way, 
But if Revelation 22 and 21 can tell us anything, then I think God could look as well on the judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness, their ungodliness, their rebellion against God and, and insanity. And God sees the destruction of it and says, so be it, so be it. And again, it's, it's, it's important, I think, for us to recognize the word, the meaning of the word, amen. Amen, so be it. So be it. We make our own life. God, we were not born to go to heaven. We were not born to go to hell. We were born to make up our own mind. We are, we are, we have, we are free, as they say, free moral agents. I didn't come here because God forced me to come here this morning. I came when I got up. I was looking forward to going to church today. Amen. I didn't lift my hands because God supernaturally pull the string and pull my hand up. I do it because I want it. I feel it. I enjoy it. I praise him. Amen. So when it's all with, my life is finished. And God's going to say to walls, so be it, regardless, regardless, regardless. When he looks through the book of life on that great judgment day as it's recorded in Revelation chapter 20, and if my name is not found in the book of life and I'm cast into that lake of fire, oh, God forbid. But, it, but if, if that's the case, then, then so be it. Because it's not a choice or decision that God made. It's a choice or decision that I made. And so God said, so be it with the life. So be it. I want, I, want, I want my life to be pleasing to him so that I can enter the joys of heaven. I can walk a street of gold through the gates of pearl. I can see my Jesus for myself. I can bow before his throne and cast my crown before his throne. And I can hear, as it were, by his actions to me, walls, so be it. So be it. You were here because you obeyed my gospel. You are here because you repented of your sins. You are here because you were tired of your ungodly lifestyle, your sinful lifestyle, and you searched for an answer to your, to your problems and your sinful condition. You repented of your sins. You got water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I filled you with my spirit, and so be it. It was by your decision. It was by your choice. It was by your actions, whether it's pro or negative, whether it's positive or negative, it's so be it. So be it. Now, God said to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, amen. I know it's, again, it's not recorded, but I'm saying by his actions, he was saying, so be it. When I consider the people of Israel, when I, when I, I, when I think of, uh, of this idea or this thought, so be it, amen. I think of the, Israel is, was God's chosen people. God said in, his, in the Old Testament, they're the apple of my eye. He, he, he said to them, I didn't choose you because you were the most. You were the biggest crowd. You were the biggest group. No, in fact, he said, you were the fewest of nations. But I chose you to be a treasure, a special treasure unto myself. God put his hand upon them. He chose them. There is no people, no nation that has ever been recorded to witness what Israel witnessed through the years. The very presence of God, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night that led them for 40 years through the wilderness, his manifestations to them, 
and revealing, supplying them with water when they got thirsty, food every day when they got hungry. And yet, after all of this, they rejected the law of God. They chose their own lifestyle. After they reject, when, when, even when the Lord came, manifest himself through, the, uh, through Jesus Christ, they rejected him. To think of, I know we, we look back in, in self-justification and we think, oh, my, if, I, if Jesus had walked the streets of Medora, I'd want to follow him. I'd want to follow him. Well, if we placed ourselves in that place and in that condition, well, it would be by choice. And there were thousands that he fed, but only hundreds that followed him, and only 120 that wound up in an upper room to commit their life to him. So, so be it. So be it. Now, after all that they'd gone through, after all the judgments they've gone through, if you would read about the history of Israel and all the things they suffered through the years, uh, the, the things they were blamed for, the great uh, plague uh, and during the Middle Ages where millions died, they blamed it on the Jews. Think of Hitler and the extermination camps and the furnaces in which some six million were burned to death or destroyed, killed or burned up somehow or, or covered up somehow. And, and yet, this, God, this is your people. This is your people. They're the apple of your eye. How can you sit or stand by and allow your people to endure such horrific deaths. But then I remind, I'm reminded of the statement that they made, their representatives made at least, in the judgment hall of Pilate. Let his blood be on us, on our hands, and upon our children. And so God says to all of these judgments that's happened to them through the years, so be it, so be it. Because of the tremendous love that God has for his creation, he has come, he come to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ, ministered among the humanity, oh my goodness, humanity for three and a half years or thereabout. He was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was arrested in the garden after a time of prayer, taken before Annas and then Pilate, back and forth, and heard the cries of the people, crucify him, crucify him. They hung him after they had beaten his back unmercifully, put a, a crown of thorns upon his head, and caused him to carry his cross, his only, own means of judgment or death. And there on Calvary he hung for us, for you, for me. Amen. And remember what he said to, to Peter when he pulled that sword out and cut that, Feller Malchus's ear off. He was a he was a terrible. He wouldn't be much of a warrior, would he? He missed his mark. He surely surely meant to cut that fellow's head off, but he missed him and cut his ear off. But anyway, Jesus said, "Put it up. Put your sword up, Peter. I'm putting my words now. I have authority. I have power to call if I want help. <laughs> They're out there. They're surrounding me." Just like they surrounded Elisha and his, his, his sleepy-eyed servant when he said, Master, what are we going to do? The enemy's here. Oh, but I see something you don't see. Amen. And the Lord said, I have power. I have authority. Call down more than 12. Was it 12? 12 legions. I, wasn't it 12? 12. I'm looking at somebody that knows what I'm talking about. Uh, 
Twelve legions of angels right now. If, but that's why I'm here. That's why I've come to, to, to pay the price and shed blood so that this wicked world can find a remedy and a solution to their condition. So be it. Calvary was horrible. So be it, God says from heaven. So be it. Because three days uh huh, and three nights later, praise God. God said, so be it to that Calvary. Uh, crucifixion and the death, the blood that ran down from seven different wounds in his body and made a little puddle in the, in the ground and was soaked up by the earth. But God says, so be it, so be it. But three days, 72 hours or so later, he came forth leaving his grave close in that, in that tomb of Joseph and came forth victorious over death hell and the grave, as he said to John 1 and verse 18, and God says, so be it, so be it. A price has been paid, salvation is now available, and God says, so be it, so be it. And when you and I reach out and say, I'm going to obey God's word, I'm going to do what this book tells me to do, I want to be saved, God says, so be it. And I made my way to an altar of prayer in a storefront mission one day or one night. And God says, so be it. I repented. Hallelujah. God filled me with his spirit. I spoke in tongues for an hour or so. And God says, so be it, walls. So be it. Took me a next week and baptized me in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. My sins are gone. And God says, so be it. So be it, so be it. And he preached me, he called me to preach his gospel. I've been, woo, I've been trying to preach his gospel for 65 please, years or so. And God says, I want God to say, so be it, so be it, so be it. I've been here and there and God said, so be it. But one of these days, woo, one of these days, I've, I've said it time and again, I'm still saying it. I expect to see the Lord come. I expect to hear the trumpet sound. Uh -huh. I know I'm past 49, but I'm still expecting to see the Lord come and the trumpet to sound. And if that happens, then so be it. So be it. So be it. Amen. Mama, we wrestle with a lot of things in life, things that happen to us. We all have questions. And uh, I don't remember where it was now, just recently, and I don't remember who it involved. But uh, I brought up the point again. Some criticize or say we shouldn't, we shouldn't ask why. We're human. We have human feelings. We cry when loved ones are hurt. Our loved ones die. We're human. So it's, it's, not, it's not wrong, it's not bad, it's not contrary to God in the Bible to say, God, why? Why? I imagine a lot of those Andalusians did that. And I imagine a lot of those Jews on their way to the gas chamber or on their way to death did that. And a lot of you, I, I, I'm not speaking for you, but I'm, I know human, humans. I know humanity, and I can rest assured that if not all of you, most of you have asked that question. 
Maybe you didn't. Maybe you've heard, well, you shouldn't question God. I'm questioning, I'm not questioning God. I'm questioning what happened, why it happened, why. But you see, our hope is not in this world. It's not in, in this flesh. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. It's in his word and what he's recorded for us. And, that's, and, and because of that, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Many of the things that we find recorded in the word of God contain wonderful and precious promises for the people of God. Well, they contain also, I guess we'll say not precious, but promises to this ungodly world too. But anyway, God looks back on a creation that can enjoy fellowship with him and he says, amen. God looks back on every soul that has lifted their hands in praise to his matchless name and God says, amen. God looks back on the birth of the church and those that have been washed in his blood and baptized in his name and filled with his spirit and God says, so be it. God looks back on every faithful believer who's walked through their valleys of Baca and yet they've been faithful to God and God says, son, daughter, amen. So be it. God explores, let me say it that way, the catacombs of Rome where thousands of precious saints were killed and buried by their oppressors or by the people of God that their families in those catacombs died because they would not submit to uh, the Jews, the Jewish hierarchies or the leaders of Rome. And God says, so be it. God looked through the dark ages, those, those terrible ages of the middle centuries, or middle years, I should say, where millions were killed rather than to bow to Rome, Rome and the Trinitarian dogma, false doctrine of Rome. They were killed, they were slaughtered. If you've ever read the Fox Book of Martyrs, as he goes through in the history, the millions of Jesus' name, one God people that died horrible deaths. And God says, so be it. And I believe that God's looking at us right here at Medora Pentecostal Church on the corner of Central and Elm Streets. To those who refuse to accept the compromises of this world in our time that men are succumbing to the influences of this modern 21st century society. And God says to you and you and you and you, amen, so be it, so be it. From the perspective of Revelation 22 and 21, God also looked back and saw a time when multiplied millions from all over the earth are going to hear his call his summons, the trumpet, to rise above this world of despair and ungodliness. And we're going into the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ, the one who died for me. Amen. And when that takes place, 
God's going to say, Amen. So be it. And from this perspective, he also looks upon the time when he's going to return to this earth with us, the great host that John described for us in Revelation 19 and 11, to bring judgment to this ungodly world, to destroy the beast and his cohort, the false prophet, going to gather these armies that will come from all over the world to a place called the Valley of Esdralian or Armageddon. And there the Lord will visit and they will be destroyed. In fact, the Bible says the blood will be even up to the horse bridles that will cover that land. A, a terrible, terrible place. And God says, so be it. He looks back to the time when the beast and his buddy, the false prophet, are taken as described there in Revelation 19 and 20 and are cast into the lake of fire. And God says, so be it. He looks at the time when Satan is going to be bound in the great abyss, the bottomless pit, and then a thousand years later he is released to bring together all of those that have the seed of sin in their lives to be destroyed. And then the old enemy of all enemies, Satan himself, the devil himself. God is going to take him or have an, and cast him into that lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. And God's saying, so be it. Amen. Devil, you've had your day, but your day whoop, is over with. Praise God. Praise God. And I want to feel, maybe selfishly, but I want to feel that when that day comes, when Satan is finally taken and his mouth is stopped forever and ever, and he joins the beast and the false prophet in that lake of fire where they've been for a thousand years already. And they are, he is cast in Revelation 20 and verse 10, is it? Anyway, he is cast into this lake of fire. It's over with. It's over with. Praise God. And again, again, maybe selfishly or whatever speaking, I want to be in that number that says, God, amen. Amen. <laughs> Satan, your days over with. No more temptations, no more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness because my God is going to come and he's going to wipe all the tears from my eyes. Hallelujah. I'm going to enter a city that's made of God, a city of gold. It's got pearl gates. It's got streets of a street of gold. Amen. Angels are standing at the gate of those pearly gates. I guess it's the welcome committee. And maybe those angels, as they see walls marching through, maybe the angel says, walls, so be it. So be it. Let us go as a family. You want to? MPC family, let's march together. Let's march together. Let's go up together. Let's march into that city together. Woo! And may we raise our voice and say to the Lord, amen. Amen. So be it. Stand with me. So be it. <laughs> Woo! What a, what a, what a day is, a, is waiting for us. So be it, so be it, so be it. Thank God. I know, I know we can only imagine. We can only imagine. That's the best we can do. We all have had our battles to fight. 
our tears to shed, our pains to suffer, our problems to wrestle with. We've all had that. And in those times, we've probably felt like saying, why, Lord, why? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to do this? But let's look at that last verse. Let's look at that last word. We're in God's hand. He's in control. And I know that. I, I'm, I'm so filled with confidence. I'm going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. God's going to say to MPC, your faithfulness, God's going to say, Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Set